What an honor and a privilege to stand in front of the precious children of God. I don't take that lightly. Um, thank you, Pastor Rander, Pastor Jason, Pastor Lori, um, for entrusting. Um, really, I feel like you're entrusting the prayer team to steward this warfare prayer that we're going to be speaking into. And um, I just want you to open up your hands. And say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. I open up my heart to receive all that you have for me today. And I will be transformed by the power of your word. I'm going to go away from here different than when I came in. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So each January as a church, we like to fix our first. And we do that by following Jesus afresh and the onset of the year. And that's through prayer and fasting. There's a free download on the website. I really encourage you to go get it. It's a book called Prayer First. I can't say enough about that book. Um, and so we're on to week three of our fasting period. And I do hope it's been going well for you. If it hasn't, we have one more week. It's okay. <laughs> so fasting is giving up something we love for someone we desire to be like even more. It's not twisting God's arm. It's really turning our hearts to him. So last Sunday, Pastor Runder led us through the prayer model, praying scripture in such a powerful and a practical way. And Doreen just shared what the Lord spoke to her. I felt like I already had church. And this week, and, and the week before that, Pastor Jason led us through tabernacle prayer. And he encouraged us to really start prayer from where we are. Now this week, we're looking at warfare prayer. And you know, when I hear the word war, I don't know what it conjures up to you, but for me, I think it requires preparation, instruction, and execution. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at a lot of scriptures. So I hope you brought your real Bible and you're ready to dive in. Two opening quotes to contemplate warfare prayer. Prayer is not only communion with God, it is also a confrontation with the enemy. And Chris Hodges said that. And C.S. Lewis said there are two equal and opposite errors into which we can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, and the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. You know, as you and I read the Bible... We see God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity. But we also see evidence of this unholy alliance between the devil, the world, and flesh. So when each of us are born, we're born in the flesh, but we're also fully spirit. And we're born sinners. And so our flesh is that enmity with our spirit. And so we have to decide at some point, 
we get to the age of accountability. And we need to decide who to surrender our spirits to. Because there are only two kingdoms, and there are no neutral zones. So essentially, spiritual warfare is acknowledging we live in this contested space, and our allegiance lies with the King of Glory. And so before we dive into spiritual warfare, I just want you to be mindful that this is not about eliminating suffering or trials so that I can have a comfy life until Jesus returns. That's not it. 2 Timothy 2, verse 3 to 4, Paul writes this, Join with me in suffering, like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Right now, as we're calmly listening to the word, there are Christians in so many countries that are dying for the same word. They're being killed for their faith. And so James tells us not only to endure suffering, but actually to count it as joy. Because the testing of our fate produces perseverance. And we want that to have its full work so that we'll be complete and lacking nothing. So spiritual warfare is actually more about fulfillment of God's kingdom purpose on earth, knowing that whether he delivers me from the fire or he walks me through the fire, I have the final victory. And that applies to you. And the word the Lord gave me for 2023 is surrender. Um, The accompanying scripture he gave me was in James 4, 7. And this is the contemporary English version. It says, surrender to God with an exclamation mark. This is really important. Resist the devil and he will run from you. Now, this is the foundational scripture for warfare prayer. Most of us know it from the English Standard um, Version, which says, submit yourselves. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so this contains two components. Submit to God, resist the devil. Both of them require action. And then the devil fleeing requires no action on our part. He simply does that in response to what we have done. So we're going to look at these two steps, starting from step one. Submit, surrender to God. You can't skip this step and expect the next one to work. It wouldn't. Submit to God is not a suggestion. It's a direction. But we have free will, whether we're going to comply or not. And so I looked up the meaning of surrender, seeing that he spoke it to me. And so this, this is the definition. It says, cease resistance to an opponent and submit to their authority. And as soon as I read that, a thought dropped in my mind. And I knew it was the Holy Spirit. And he said, if you are resisting God in any area of your life, you have made God an opponent. And you're actually standing in the enemy's camp in that area of your life. And so as you can imagine, that rivets you. (laughs) 
And so for my season of fasting, I am saying, Lord, show me where I have not surrendered because I want to repent and make this right. Have you ever assessed whether or not you're fully surrendered to him? Or do you give yourself the luxury to sometimes dabble in the enemy's camp? James 4.4 says, you adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So why submit to God? Submission to God is actually about obedience to prepare us for the battlefield where we'll be resisting the enemy. And how do we do this? How do we submit? I can't do it in my own strength, and you can't. Submission to God starts with prayer. David said, search my heart, O God, and show me if there's any wicked way in it, and lead me in the way everlasting. A couple of quotes about prayer. Oswald Chambers said, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. And the goal of prayer is not to master the circumstances of your life. It is to be mastered by the one who's above every circumstance in your life. And so this is why Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. And Luke 21.36 says, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So a lifestyle of prayer is really the fuel for submission to God. And I'm going to touch on four benefits of prayer and how they fuel submission to God. So the first one is prayer will build capacity to worship and praise at all times, including in the midnight hour. And we're going to read, grab your Bibles from Acts 16, the story of Paul and Silas. So starting at verse 16. As we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. And Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, not to the girl, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing a city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. And so the crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates actually tore the gar their garments off, stripped them, and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, the jailer put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stalks. Verse 25, about midnight, you're about to receive instructions for what to do in your midnight hour. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying 
and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. See, prayer always sends a message to the foundation of your problem. That's the enemy, and he's under your feet. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Everyone. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights, rushed in, trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, what must I do to be saved? I mean, your God can do this. Your God can do this. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. I like to call that the victory meal. And he rejoiced along with his entire household, that he had believed God. Incredible story. So here they were on their way to a place of prayer, but their destination was changed to prison. See, their physical destination was changed, but their spiritual destination could not be changed. They were on their way to a place of prayer, and they simply said, this prison that you have brought me to, will become my place of prayer. And there they were, with barely any clothes on, hurting, bleeding. They must have been very uncomfortable, and they broke out in worship and prayer. Folks, you know, you know that they had to have a lifestyle of prayer before this, because you, you don't just pivot in the place of suffering, and start to worship. You don't do that. This was a lifestyle for them. And when heaven responded, <laughs> when heaven responded, he freed everyone else in the prison. You see, a lifestyle of prayer brings heaven to your prison and leads many others to submission to God. And so the second thing I want to, the second benefit of prayer, which leads us into submission, is prayer gives life-giving correction and life-saving training. You know, as you read your scripture in your prayer time, the Lord will bring correction. He will bring training and focus. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 says, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. The word of God is really a manual for our time on this earth. And this will save us on the battlefield. You know, when our daughter was in elementary school, um, she was part of a ballet school. It was a pre-professional ballet school and it was a Christian school. And they would dance to worship music. It literally was worship. And she loved it so much. Um, 
And I remember one day picking her up from practice, and I asked my usual question, how was practice? And for the first time, she said, not good. I was like, why? And she said this, the teacher did not correct me. Let me tell you what happens when Holy Spirit corrects you. When Holy Spirit corrects you, it means he's looking at you. He sees what he put inside of you, and he's calling it out. He's just giving you some instructions. Can you just make a shift here and just watch what I will do? And when you see what he does, you will submit. So correction is a good thing. Embrace it. I say, Lord, correct me any day. Correct me. And so the third benefit of prayer, you get to purchase oil for your lamps while it is daytime. Mark 13, 33 says, take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. You know, the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew 25 teaches us that we're actually the only ones who have the currency and the responsibility to purchase our oil. And there's a limited window of opportunity to do this before midnight. You know, the most powerful nations on the face of the earth prepare for war during peace times. A lifestyle of prayer is you purchasing your oil, preparing for your warfare in the midnight hour. Matthew 26, 38 to 39, talking about Jesus. Then he said to them, my soul is sorrowful, even to death. Remain here. And he was talking to his disciples, three disciples, and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So, you know, the scripture tells us that Jesus prayed. He had a lifestyle of prayer. He prayed early in the morning. He prayed at night. He prayed all through the night. He prayed before a big event. He prayed after a big event. He prayed when things were unusually busy. He just prayed. He prayed. And Hebrews 5.8 tells us, that he learned obedience by the things he suffered. And it was actually his lifestyle of suffering, of his lifestyle of prayer that empowered him in the suffering, which he would now learn obedience from. And it was out of his greatest battle in Gethsemane that we get a greatest lesson in what submission looks like and dying to self. Not my will, but yours. So the last thing we'll look at in terms of the benefit of prayer is gleaning wisdom, the fear of God, and divine revelations. I believe we were meant to search out critical things and decisions in prayer before we step out and act. 
Proverbs 25, 2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. And this speaks to the importance of leaders, which we all are. Leaders to make an effort to discover the truth for the sake of the people you lead. You know, in the scriptures, we find God revealing secrets, even detailed battle plans to those who would inquire and ask of him before they went to battle. You find that with King David. You find that with Jehoshaphat. You find that with Nehemiah. They would inquire, what would you have us do? Do you want me to go up against them? Or do you want me to stand still? And when you submit to the Lord and you glean these divine revelations, <laughs> you want to submit again. Just incredible, incredible. And so our first and primary warfare prayer is actually re regarding our own submission, our own submission. So now we go to step two, which is resist the devil. And we've established that our submission to God is actually what empowers us to resist the devil. So warfare prayer is standing in Christ, surrendered, and using his weapon to fight against the enemy. And so we're to focus our gaze on the Lord. You know, some of us gaze at the chaos, the false luster in the world, and then we simply glance at Jesus, the one who has the answer to that chaos. We glance. Our gaze was always meant for Jesus. We glance at the world only enough to be informed about our battlefield. The Lord does not want to send his soldiers to the battlefield confused and distracted could cost us our lives. So do you need to fix your gaze and your glance? Second Chronicles 20.15 says, This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. That's not what we're gazing at. But he says, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And folks, as we go into battle, our commander-in-chief, the king of glory is on the battle front lines, and we're behind him, keeping our gaze on him, knowing that victory is guaranteed. It's guaranteed. Why gaze at anything else? What is worth gazing at? And the king of glory. So we're going to get into Ephesians 6. Describes the weapons of our warfare. Starting at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take on. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. This is not a physical battle. So our physical weapons are completely useless. 
See, the power in prayer is not the volume of your voice or the animation of your prayer. There's nothing wrong with that. We all have different personalities and tendencies. But the power is actually your connection to God. Imagine you're talking on your cell phone while riding out in a remote setting. And you hit a patch with poor cell phone receptivity. And so the person you're talking to no longer hears you. And you resort to yelling. (laughs) That's not going to help. The problem is not your volume. The problem is your connection. So you need to shift and go to the place where you can be connected to God. You know, when Jesus showed up, darkness knew it and trembled even before he spoke. And so we'll continue in Ephesians 6 because we see that the Lord did not leave us defenseless. As a matter of fact, he gave us armor to cover us from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet. So verse 16. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of fate, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And so Paul is using metaphor to describe the spiritual weapons the Lord gave us based on Roman soldiers. And so the belt of truth, John 17, 17, says God's word is truth. And truth, by definition, is exclusive. So that's all there is to it. What does God say in his word about your situation? That's the truth. Stand on it. The breastplate of righteousness. We put on our righteousness in Christ, imputed by God, which we received by faith, to guard our heart, our vital organs, from the onslaught and the attack and accusations of the enemy. And the gospel of peace as a footwear. The Lord guarantees the gospel will be preached to all the world. So we simply preach it. The shield of faith. Our faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we want to make sure that we're always dipped in the water of God's word. Ephesians 5.26 describes God's word as water. And the helmet of salvation, when we get saved, we receive the Holy Spirit who actually gives us the mind of Christ to protect our thinking and so that we're not misled and we can discern and avoid false doctrine and resist the enemy's temptations. And the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, the only offensive weapon in our armor, Jesus used this when he faced the enemy, how much more us? 
we need to speak that word. And then Paul concludes his armor of God exhortation by reminding us to pray. And he said, at all times, with all prayer, all perseverance, for all saints. Notice he said all four times. Four times. Use all your prayer tools. Worship, listening to God, praying in your natural tongue, praying in your spiritual tongue. All of it. In all these cases, we can come to the Lord and we can say, Holy Spirit, teach me to pray. Holy Spirit, give me a prayer language, the gift of tongues. Teach me to pray. And only he will bring the answer. And Paul gives much needed clarity on the purpose of the gifts of tongues, publicly and privately. And he also talks about them as a prayer language to God. And you can read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14. And in reference to praying in the Spirit in Ephesians 6, my Bible actually cross-references Romans 8, 26 to 27, which says, Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so this is the Holy Spirit guiding our intercession. And you know, we find later in that chapter where it talks about Jesus is right now at the right hand of God the Father, and he's interceding for you and I day and night. And what he's doing is he's modeling for us what he has called us to do, to intercede and pray all the time. And so when you take a look at this, you see how this has come full circle. As submission to God starts with prayer. And we sustain everything in prayer. And our resistance against the enemy concludes and is undergirded in prayer. Do you think that maybe prayer is foundational to spiritual warfare? 2 Corinthians 10 reminds us how powerful these weapons we just went through are. But it gives us a vital, important caution. And this is something, no matter where we are in a Christian journey, we always have to pay attention to this. Verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare and not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience. When your obedience is complete. One of the most profound spiritual weapons we have is obedience. Don't attempt to exercise authority outside the sphere of your obedience. Fix your obedience first, and then the authority will follow. We need to kneel before God in prayerful submission and obedience so that he empowers us now to stand on his word 
against the enemy. So I want to close off with an exhortation to us as a church. As I was praying to prepare for this message, the Lord led me to Jeremiah 1, 11 to 12, and it reads, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. And then the Lord said, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. Amen. He is. He is. You know, the Hebrew word for almond is translated to watch. And the name of the almond tree is the watcher. The tree that hastens to awake out of his sleep in the dreariness of winter to watch for spring. The almond trees are the first tree to blossom in January, February in Israel, and they're the last to bear fruit. And God was really showing Jeremiah the almond branch to assure him that he is watching over his word to perform it, no matter the passage of time. Church, the Lord is getting ready to perform his word in a way that we have never seen before. See, his word always has an appointed time. Though it tarries, <laughs> wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not delay. And so there's a call right now to awaken from our wintry sleep and get into prayer like we never have before. And this is a prayer time with God as the central and sole focus to worship and magnify him. It's a time to humble ourselves, which is what we do when we fast. It's a time to pray and seek his face. It's a time to walk in submission and obedience by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a time to see his glorious presence manifested in our churches and our cities. It is a time to cry out to him for spiritual reign, that will bring global revival. To see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this rain will bring lasting fruit. Not simply the fruit that you enjoy on this earth. The best fruit are the ones you take into eternity. Your children, your grandchildren, your friends, your relatives, generations. And it's time for us to invade the enemy's territory and take back the prodigals and all that rightfully belongs to the Lord because salvation was promised to us and our households. So how many here would say there is at least one area in my life that I have not fully submitted to God? And it flares up every once in a while, I want to ask the Holy Spirit to help me surrender this morning. How many would say that? I would say that. So we're going to go into a time of prayer. I just want to invite you to close your eyes. This is between you and the Lord.
You can go on your knees, you can bow your heads, but just focus on the Lord and nothing else, no one else. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to our hearts and show us where we have not surrendered to you. We're going to have 30 seconds of silence. Just listen. Listen to him. Heavenly Father, we believe your word on every issue in life. Help our unbelief. We repent of a lack of submission to you. And we surrender our lives to you afresh today. Holy Spirit, help us to hearken to the voice of God and fix our gaze on Him. Teach us what it looks like to make our life a prayer. May the profound truth of God's Word revive us purify our motives and be the compass of our lives. We will be a remnant of your people that will wait on your instructions and seek you like our lives depended on it. Because it does. And so Lord, we thank you for your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness. And together, we cry out for spiritual rain. We cry out that you will baptize us again with your precious Holy Spirit. Pour out your Spirit on us, Lord. We yearn for you. We long for you. We gaze and we look to you. We want more. Fill us afresh this morning. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. The Lord almighty. He is the King of glory. And so come, Lord Jesus. Do a mighty work in and through us. In your name we pray. Amen.
And so we have a declaration prayer today. And the way this prayer was crafted was actually in prayer. Going through the scriptures, going through the items I referred to in prayer first book, and just seeking the Lord. What should we be standing on? And a full copy or a copy of the full crafted prayer is available at the welcome desk. You can pick up a printed copy on your way out. Also will be available as a PDF on the church website. And I just want to encourage you, go to the scriptures because all of these declarations are founded on scriptures. Go to those scriptures, study it. Let it become foundational in your own heart. And then ask the Holy Spirit to personalize it for you. Maybe he has more declarations that he would like you to add to it. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to pray a short version of that declaration prayer. We're going to pray it all together. And we have bowed our knees before God. And now we're going to stand on his word. So I invite you to stand so that together we can proclaim these declarations over our lives. And it's going to come up on the screen. We're going to read it together. Are you ready? All right. The Lord goes before me and with me. He never leaves nor forsakes me. The Lord is fighting for me. I only need to be still. I put on the full armor of God and stand against the enemy's schemes. I am fully equipped for all that God assigned me. I am confident that I will see God's goodness in my life in the land of the living. The Lord is my refuge, fortress, and strong tower. I run into him and I am safe. When the enemy advances against me, he will stumble and fall. I am unshaken by the chaos and confusion in the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I declare that my entire household and coming generations are saved. For the Lord has poured out his spirit upon us. And this year, 2023, as I put the Lord first, I will grow in humility honesty, hunger for righteousness, and holiness. I will see a manifestation of the work of God in me as he redeems, restores, reconciles, and renews every area of my spirit, soul, and body that yearns for wholeness. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Give him glory.